Omaha. Omaha. Star Trek and beyond. Check down. To the galaxy and beyond. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, so boys, we're gonna. But how's my hair look for real? Oh my god, it's so hot. You're listening to Cultivate, a podcast about the people and technology that are blazing a trail in the cannabis industry. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cultivate. We're happy that you tuned in, presented by Boveda. I'm Drew. My name is Scott. And my name is Luke. Today, we are going to do an interview with Eric from Peer Pressure, and he's going to be talking about rosin, the art of pressing, um, where the industry is going with rosin, and just all of that good stuff, and maybe we'll hear some funny stories. So what, just briefly, for those who maybe don't know, what is rosin? It's an extraction method, so it's uh, done by heat pressing. Um, You get the flour, you bring the moisture up in the flour, you press it with pressure and heat, and it oozes out the side, and it's all this goodness. And one of the nice things about rosin pressing is it's one of the cleanest way to get what you want out of the flour, right? It's the most natural, pure way. Yep. Beautiful. Pure pressure. That's pure pressure. Correct. Um, oh, you want an update on the fires from Santa Rosa? Yeah, before we hop okay. into the interview with Eric Drew. So we spend a lot of time in Northern California. I was out there a few weeks ago and uh, had a chance to drive through Napa and Sonoma and Santa Rosa, and I was staying in Santa Rosa. And then uh, a week ago Sunday, news came that uh, fires had uh, cropped up super high winds out there. There were some trees that got knocked into electrical equipment, sparked a fire, turned out to be catastrophic. And if you were watching the news, you probably only got a little bit of the perspective or the the totality of how catastrophic these fires were in Santa Rosa. We have friends of Boveda that have lost their homes. Uh, They've lost everything they own. Uh, narrowly escaped these fires with just the clothes on their back. Um, just to, uh, as a sentimental aside, we want to send out our love and our prayers to the people in Santa Rosa, Napa, Sonoma, that whole NorCal region that's gone through such devastating fires. It's not completely over yet. It's a lot better now than it was a few days ago, but there's hundreds of thousands of acres that have been burned. A lot of people lost their lives. So, uh, and it's a really important part of the world in terms of the cannabis business. It's um, it's an area where all that product that's grown in Northern California comes down through the Santa Rosa area, works its way in its way into Southern California, where uh, the majority of it is is uh, purchased and consumed. So, to all of our friends, uh, producers, people that are are. Um, uh, accessory providers to the business that are from Santa Rosa, our hearts go out to you, and we're thinking about you. When do you go back, Drew? Santa uh, Rosa. I was going to go back tomorrow, but I'm going to wait a week because there's still the the devastation in Santa Rosa is such that um, there's not a lot that's going to get done for another couple of weeks. So I'll go out towards the end of October, and I'll be there pretty much through November and December. Hanging out up until Emerald Cup. We'll be at Emerald Cup in Santa Rosa. We are hoping that it's still going to take place at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds where it was last year. Uh, But it's going to be a different year with all this uh, tragedy that happened out there. Uh, Hopefully it'll be a celebration of an industry coming together to help each other get through it. That's what I was going to say. I feel like this could be an opportunity for maybe the cannabis community to kind of rally 
Well, I was at a show in San Francisco or Oakland this past weekend, and the smoke there was terrible. Um, it was quite surprising, actually. And we did a raffle there. So companies donated a bunch of products, and then they raffle it. people bought raffle tickets and raffled it off. And I think we raised twenty five to thirty thousand dollars for for people up in Santa Rosa just from a small show where there was maybe at most five thousand people that came through. So that was really cool. Kids are starting to get back to school in a lot of those areas. They closed the schools. Uh, everybody just hunkered down and tried to go into safe mode and get through it. Um, hopefully, life will get back to normal soon. Uh, we're looking forward to getting back out in that neighborhood. But uh, tough stuff, uh, and tragedies happen, and the human spirit comes through. Hopefully, people will come together. I expect they will. It's a pretty solid community in the cannabis industry, and uh, Bovid is behind you, so we'll be out there trying to help out in any way that we can. Without further ado, let's head over to the riveting conversation that Scott and I had with Eric from Peer Pressure. On the phone today, we've got Eric from Peer Pressure. We're going to jump into a few questions here. Can you explain to us what rosin is? Absolutely. So rosin is simply a cannabis concentrate that is made without the use of solvents. Uh, a similar corollary might be bubble hash. You know, hash has been made for basically millennia without solvents, but nowadays the primary concentrates that are on the market are BHO uh, and, and other ones where the cannabinoids are actually stripped out of the cannabis material with solvents such as butane, propane, CO2. So where rosin stands apart from that is rosin is made simply with heat and pressure. Uh, and when you apply heat and pressure to cannabis flowers, keef, even bubble hash, you can liquefy those cannabinoids. And then is what it's going to do is with the pressure, it's actually going to just literally just squeeze it out. Uh, and then you've got a pure cannabis oil that can be used for cartridges, dabbing, premium edibles, uh, pretty much everything. And one thing that's really important to note with rosin and pretty much any concentrate is that there's a bit of a misconception where people think of shatter as specifically being just for BHO, uh, but really textures and consistencies of cannabis concentrates are independent in many ways of their extraction methods. So you could have BHO that's made into shatter. It commonly is. You can also have rosin that's made into shatter. Rosin can also be made into wax, uh, butter, sugar, sauce. I mean, you name it. So that, that's something we hear a lot and, and I think is worth noting. Awesome. Now, can you explain how it's clean compared to other um, ways of extraction, I guess? What, what makes this a clean route versus using butane or solvents? Yeah, great question. Something that we get asked a lot from our customers and just talking to people at trade shows is, you know, okay, you're making rosin without solvents, you know, that's great, that sounds nice, but, you know, what 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 gives? And once you learn a little bit about how cannabis concentrates are made, and these are some of the fastest growing products in the cannabis segment right now. I mean, the the sales growth of concentrates just as a whole market has just been blowing up in pretty much every state. Uh, and is what's happening is you've got people that grow various grades of cannabis, everything from ultra premium to stuff that gets tainted with powder mildew, mold, mites. I mean, you name it. Uh, you know, sometimes these things happen. They're difficult to avoid in a growing environment. Now, 
when you've got states and regulatory environments, cannabis concentrates typically need to pass testing for all of those things that I just mentioned, just to make sure that the consumers are, you know, being protected, they're being looked out for. And with VHO and a lot of the solvent-based concentrates, you can really, what's known as, you know, blast away uh, pretty much a lot of those contaminants. Whereas with rosin, you're putting your material in a filter bag, hitting it with heat and pressure, and that those contaminants would go through that bag and simply just wouldn't pass testing. So rosin has started to pick up a bit of a name for itself as being a, a pretty connoisseur grade premium concentrate, just because you know that if you're getting good rosin, that it's being made from great source material. Whereas with BHO, a lot of the concentrates that are made with solvents, um, I'm certainly not saying this is always the case. There's a lot of people out there making you know terrific live rosin, uh, really, really great solvent-based concentrates. That's totally there. But a lot of the places are taking their, you know, pretty scary trim uh, stuff that would never be sold in any other way. Uh, they can't really do anything with it because it's been contaminated for one reason or another, and they just blast it. And that's something mm -hmm. that we hear a lot. So um, with rosin, you're almost always getting a higher quality product from, you know, really great material. Yeah. So can you explain kind of the process from start to finish and how do you um, get that great material to start? So if someone wanted to go and press at home, what would they do from start to finish? When you're making rosin, it, it really is simple. The basic mechanics of it, you know, heat and pressure. Uh if you're growing at home, it's, it's very easy to take your own material and turn it into your own dabs. And then it's single source. You, you grew it. You know it's great. You know what you made. You know what you did or didn't do to it. So a couple options. You know, where is your material coming from? Are you growing yourself? You can go to a dispensary and pick up some material. Uh, if you got friends, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to source your material. Now, once you've got it, you can start with Keef. You can start with buds. If you've got some ice wax hash, you can also, you know, increase the quality of that into a full melt concentrate with rosin and is what you really need to do. Uh, if you're at home and you're just trying to do something simple, grab a hair straightener and some parchment paper and put it in between the heated plates and have at it. Uh, you know, press it as hard as you can. People will literally stamp on it on the floor, you know, putting their whole body weight on it. People will take clamps out of their garage just to increase the pressure and then that way you know you can make a dabable product uh, at home with virtually anything and you know from there there's all kinds of plate kits online if you're really looking to do something on the budget end uh, you know there's a lot of options to make rosin at home for cheap and then for the people that are a little bit more serious people that are you know medium scale small scale home growers that you know are really trying to take it to the next level then you've got equipment like ours you know commercial industrial presses and and for more serious people that are demanding great yields demanding great products so i mean you could pretty much start making rosin with you know your significant other's hair straightener or you can go all the way to the top and you know check out a pike's peak and and make it the best you can so it, it's it's very easy and most importantly it's very safe uh, because there's no solvents you're never going to set anything on fire you're not going to blow up your house uh you know houses have been leveled 
in Colorado, I mean, in other places, uh, other states, and, and that's a tragedy, and, and no one should have to take that risk on to make some concentrates at home. Do you have any stories from the past before you were working at Peer Pressure, or even stories of friends using a hair straightener, or just doing something stupid? Yeah, yeah. So uh, before I was working at Peer Pressure, I was over at Mass Roots, which some of your, with some of your audience is probably familiar with. Uh, it's probably the world's number one cannabis social network. And, you know, we, we had some people that would come through and, and we heard about it, you know, years ago. And, oh, you can make dabs with a hair straightener. And we kind of laughed about it and said, that sounds ridiculous. And then one of my coworkers actually bought uh, a cheap, you know, foreign made rosin press. And we bought the best nugs at the dispensary natural remedies right by us, which is a great place. If you're ever in Denver, totally recommend checking them out. Uh, we pressed a bunch of Gorilla Glue and it came out and we thought, wow, this is terrific. I mean, this is these are <laughs> this is a good dab right here. Uh, so beyond that, personally, you know, my significant other was never going to let me use her hair straightener. She was pretty guarded <laughs> with, with her cosmetic devices. Uh, but, you know, I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really, before working at Peer Pressure, it had been very much kind of a fleeting interest, something I'd seen, something pretty random. And then when I got here, uh, I, you know, my current boss, Josh, he, he sold me on the project and he said, you know, listen, man, rosin's going to be huge. Uh, people can make it at home. It's cheap to make. It's solventless. It's safe. You know, all of these things, you know, we really think that it's heading in a great direction. So, uh, that was my experience prior to being here. Yeah, cool. Now, you mentioned it's it's growing. Where do you think rosin is going to be in three years, five years, ten years? You know, it, it's impossible to say, but one thing's for sure is that as the demand for concentrated cannabis products grow, uh, it's really the next stage in the evolution of cannabis in a lot of ways. You know, people are demanding a pure product. There's connoisseurs out there that are kind of terpene, concentrate hunters. I mean, they are always looking for the next flavor, the next feeling, uh, premium level stuff. So, you know, in three years, I think you're going to see that, you know, hopefully a lot more people are growing their own plants at home. Uh, a lot of those people are going to want to go beyond just smoking a joint or a blunt or a bowl. And making concentrates at home at that point, I think, will become pretty standard issue for real cannabis enthusiasts. Uh, you know, in, a medium to small investment can be made to get a even a, a fairly decent rosin press. Um, and then from there, people are probably just going to press a lot of their own rosin. So, you know, of course, we've got a pretty rosy outlook on where rosin is going to be in a couple years. Uh, it really depends on the or excuse me, the regulations that are going on. I mean, the current administration is kind of all over the place. Uh, but as soon as you start seeing home growing picking up, you know, people that are looking for concentrates, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, rosin is the only realistic way to do it at home. Uh, if you wanted to make bubble hash, you need a washing machine and tons of ice <laughs> and sinks and you know, there, there are some things you can do at home that aren't rosin where you're going to get a concentrated product. But unless you're an amateur willing to, you know, risk life and limb, uh, rosin is absolutely going to be the number one at home produced concentrate. Yeah. And then 
taking that a little further, you know, in the industry uh, from more of a consumer and purchasing level, you know, you've got a lot of people where there's very cheap budget level concentrates that are made with butane and solvents. Uh, but, you know, health minded consumers are definitely going to be seeking out rosin exclusively. We predict, you know, just knowing there's no solvents and then, you know, really billing itself as a connoisseur grade product where small batch limited run rosin takes more effort and time to make than BHO and other solvent based concentrates so that, you know, we really see it as gravitating towards kind of the premium end of the concentrate market as time goes on and as more people become aware of its existence in the first place. So can you just touch a little bit further on just the quality of the material before you press? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and And then also to expand on that, can... Do you, does it, does a sativa press better than an indica or a hybrid? How does that play into it? Um, and just the overall quality of the flower. Yeah, this is a, this is a really important question for our listeners here. You know, if I'm going to take the effort to maybe sabotage a hair straightener or buy a really nice press, you know, how do I get my, how do I get the best thing that I can? Uh, you know, really just like you guys said, it, it absolutely starts in the garden. Uh, great resinous cannabis is always going to produce the most. You know, the more terpenes you have starting out in the plant, the better your rosin is going to smell and taste. Uh, the more trichomes, the heavier resin production strains are always going to be your heavy yielders. You know, and this is very germane because we're actually in the middle of putting a blog post together right now after interviewing a couple of the top labs in the country that use our equipment and have award-winning rosin. And what we've really heard is that, you know, certain strains and certain lineages definitely are your, your better yielders and your better plants. So we find that indicas and hybrids tend to yield more than sativas simply because that those indicas and hybrids often have a uh, higher resin profile. They've got more THC in them already. You know, sativas tend to be a little wispier. They can not produce as much resin. And, you know, personally, I love sativas just as much or more than many indicas, but most people will find that they're going to get a much better yield off of an indica or an indica hybrid plant. Uh, not to say that you should never press sativa. I mean, you, I, sativa rosin is, is among my absolute favorite, but, you know, for yield purposes, that's kind of what is standard. And then just some strains for the listeners to think about that are real big yielders and and really great stuff Um, for flavor and taste, anything fruity. I mean, your Clementines, uh, you know, Crockett's Farm there, they've got some genetics that are really top notch, you know, pretty much anything that's got fruit in the title and it has high terpene content, excuse me, is, is bound to be great, you know. Banana split, Clementine, I mean, you name it, the strains these days are off the chain, but uh, taste and flavor, really a lot of those terpenes tend to come through, like the linalool, um, some of the ones that have a lot of the, you know, the strawberry, the orange, the grape smells. And then as far as yield goes, uh, chem strains, so chem dog, there's a ton of chem crosses that are just, you know, prolific yielders. Uh, Gorilla Glue, one of the most popular strains on the market today, that is one of the ones that we consistently see huge yields on. Uh, you know, anything that's going to be super trichome laden, you're going to get a great yield on. The white, there's a ton of white crosses, white fire. I mean, there are so many strains out there. Even the most diligent strain catalogers, I think, can barely keep up. 
Yeah. Uh, but for someone pressing at home, you know, keep an eye out for fruity strains. If you're into that, if you're more into gassy strains, you know, the Gorilla Glues, the whites of the world, the chem strains are, are definitely going to be your best bet. Awesome. Okay. So now as we're in humidity control, how does mm-hmm. that play into um, pressing, preparing the flower? Does it need to be dry, moist? I mean, what does someone want to do? Yeah. So this is something that we really puzzled over kind of right when I joined here because we would have people buy for demos. They'd have flour. It wouldn't press out real well. And sometimes people would come by and it'd press out great. And we thought, you know, all right, what what is the difference here? And what we really singled in on is that if you're pressing flour rosin, humidity is crucial. So, you know, I think up front, if you're pressing rosin at home from flowers, you know, Bovida packs, humidity control is critical because we did tests and we've got a video on our YouTube channel at Go Pure Pressure that, you know, people can go check out themselves, which is where if you've got flour that is in the lower humidity range, and we're out here in Colorado where the ambient humidity is anywhere from, you know, 20 to 30% on an average day, very dry. You leave a nug out on the counter for a day, it is just going to crisp up. Um, what happens is if you think about like a sponge, you are got a dry sponge, you put water on it, it's going to absorb as much water as it can until it becomes saturated. Now with your buds, they're going to behave somewhat similarly. You liquefy whatever available trichomes and cannabinoids are there, but really they want to stick to themselves. So when you've got properly humidified bud, it really helps, you know, expel the oil um, you know, the actual like micro physical process that's going on there. I wish I had, you know, an, an electron microscope to see it happening in, in real time. Uh, we found long story short that you want your bud to be at least at 55% relative humidity and 62% relative humidity being, you know, the, the optimal level for your, for best yields. And we also tested after the fact, well, okay, if you've got really, you know, somewhat moist flour, uh, is that just water weight that's going to evaporate off? And we found that no, really you are getting a lot more out of it. Sometimes as much as a hundred percent increase in yield or more, uh, and that weighing them after the material has dried out again, left on the counter, the, the actual rosin weight, the reduction was extremely marginal. I mean, we're, we're talking low single, single digit percentage points in, um, net weight loss. So, you know, if you're pressing at home or even if you're a commercial, you know, presser in a lab and you're pressing flower rosin, you absolutely have to make sure that your material is properly humidified. Yeah. Can you explain the demos just for the audience of, and if they wanted to come to do a demo or come to a demo? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So that's something that we've been doing ever since I've been here. I mean, try before you buy. We got a lot of customers that uh, you know, for a $6,000 rosin press, like our Pikes Peak, they really got to make sure that it's going to produce what they want it to. So we do live demos at our facility here in Denver. You can check out our website, gopurepressure.com, hit us up and schedule something. If you want to come by, uh, we're also looking at doing, you know, classes, education, anything to start educating people in person. That's something we've definitely got planned. As far as having people buy for demos, I've seen the gamut. I mean, the the true range of quality of material is incredible. 
we have people that come in and they're expecting us to turn one, two year old, dry, dirty, I mean, brickweed into gold. I mean, they see our videos and they think, oh, well, I, I can make golden rivers and this is the worst material I could find. Let's do it. And they're disappointed. Now, on the other hand, we've had people who come by and they're terrific growers. They've got great keef. They've got great flour and they press it and it is as good or often better than the best live resin you can find in any dispensary in the country. I mean, it really does all come down to quality and it's That's really awesome. funny when people come by for demos. You know, ever since we found out that humidity is critical and most people when they come by for demos, I'd say 60 plus percent are doing flower rosin as their kind of hallmark test. We always recommend, you know, bring humidified material because if you don't, you will be disappointed. That is just the way that the physics work here. And with all of our Pikes Peak kits, you know, we send people out Bovida packs so that they're getting great results right out of the box. Uh, for, for anyone at home, that's definitely something that we recommend. Uh, if you're bringing material to one of our demos or, you know, if you're going to your friend's house and they got a rosin press, don't bring dry flour. It, it's like bringing non-alcoholic beer to a party. It's just a non-starter, <laughs> and it's not going to work out. So, no. yes, we do do demos uh, by appointment at our factory. Hopefully in the future, if you guys are ever out here in Denver, we'd love to have you by. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that. Awesome. So if someone wanted to go buy rosin, um, what are, where are they going to get it? If, if you're in a state where medical cannabis or recreational cannabis is available to you, assuming you've got a valid medical card, you know, a dispensary is always going to be your best bet. Now, one thing we've seen is depending on which state you're in, uh, rosin is something that's caught on real big in Colorado, California, uh, still catching on in the Northwest. You think about the medical states in the Northeast, you know, it's actually pretty big in Michigan too, but it's, it's very much still growing. So if you're looking to go grab some rosin, go to your local dispensary and see what they got. Now there's a lot of dispensaries that aren't currently carrying it because they're either unaware of it or they're just not making it themselves. So I would say if you haven't tried rosin, absolutely demand from your dispensary that they carry it because it is absolutely, you know, some of the best concentrate that money can buy. We've had so many people come in for demos that not really cannabis people, you know, interested, but certainly not dab heads, not the hat pin crowd, not the people that are true connoisseurs. Uh, and they come in and they say, you know what? Cannabis is really cool. I want to get into this. But my friend, he said that rosin's the only thing he smokes because it doesn't hurt his lungs. Or my friend has this issue and rosin is the only thing that they'll consume because it's cleaner, it's pure. And from a consumability standpoint, people are really starting to understand that rosin is pretty much the premium experience because when you don't have that butane involved, you're really coming away with a smooth, enjoyable, and, and high flavor profile experience. That's great info. Well... I would say, yeah, where where can people find out more about peer pressure? Yeah, where can we find uh, peer pressure on social media, online, YouTube, all of that good stuff? Yeah, uh, so peer pressure, uh, go peerpressure.com, G-O. One thing we always like to clarify is it's P-U-R-E, pressure, pure, not peer. Uh, I have to, <laughs> have to call that out often. We have a great YouTube channel that's got tons of informational videos, over 200 or 2,200 subscribers at this point. Facebook, all of our social media handles are the same. 
go peer pressure. Uh, we're super, super friendly, open book. If you got questions about rosin, if you've been considering picking up a press, if even if you just need bags for your own hair straightener, your at home press, we sell and make it all. We're a hundred percent Denver, Colorado company. And, you know, we really care about customer service. So check us out, get out in touch, you know, hit us up. There's a good chance I'll be the person that responds to you. So if you want to reach out, we're always here to talk. And uh, I really appreciate your guys' time. It's been really great talking. Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we will talk soon. Okay, great. Hey, thanks, everyone. Wow. That was a lot of info. That Eric of Peer Pressure really knows what he's talking about. If you guys want to learn more about Peer Pressure, the links will be in the description. Go check them out. They're awesome. Eric's awesome. He will help you out. Most likely, he will be the one answering your questions. So thank you, Eric. That was great. Where do you go to find it? The links. (laughs) (laughs) In the description. Scott. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. I think he was the smartest person in the room. Yeah, during that conversation is great. And he wasn't even in the room. Uh, Yeah, you're right. He wasn't in the room. But that's the point of these podcasts is, hey, we know a lot about Bovida and and things around Bovida, but we love to bring people in that. And we're learning a lot. We're bringing bringing people together and we're talking about It's a learning experience for us. I feel. Well, don't. I mean, you guys got to give yourselves credit. You guys do know a lot about cannabis. We do. For sure. We do, but there's some detailed stuff. we are always stuff. learning, especially from experts like Eric. Yeah, and, and that's what's awesome about our product is we get to learn so many different areas of the cannabis industry and um, can hopefully become experts in every area. I don't know anything or anybody except me. So we were in Madrid last week for, or just to, up until Sunday uh, for Spanibus, and it was amazing to me how many people, even though the language barrier is pretty high, Uh, They were talking about rosin pressing, and uh, they referred to videos that they saw of our friend John Burflo from uh, MedTainer up in Canada. Uh, Johnny B. has put together a bunch of videos about rosin pressing. Uh, He and his uh, buddy Bubble Man have come up with a can of clamp, a personal uh, rosin press, that is being distributed in Canada right now uh, with Bovida Packs. And we'll talk uh, later about how Bovida packs figure into uh, your rosin pressing uh, optimization. So just a shout out to Johnny B. They know you in Madrid. Um, It's a big deal when some guy from Vancouver shows up on the world stage leading the way, teaching people how to do rosin pressing. So way to go, Johnny B. Cool. Um, We are going to jump right into a segment on this show that we like to call hashtag ask Bovida. Where we take questions um, that we get on social media, um, and we answer them right here. Um, Drew and Scott, are you guys ready for me to toss you a couple questions? Yeah. First question. If Bud is very wet, can Bovida dry it effectively still? Thanks. Yes. Yes. Bovida is a two-way system. So Bovida will literally either add or remove moisture inside of a container um, and the products inside of that container to the number printed on the pack. So for cannabis 62, 58, um, whichever one you're using, you throw that packet inside of a container with wet flour, it will absorb that excess moisture trying to bring it down to the number printed on the pack. Now, obviously it has a capacity. So if you have a pound and you're using our small eight gram 
It's not going to absorb all of that moisture, but it will absorb some of it to its capacity. I think it can absorb roughly 35 or 40% of its weight. Yeah, I would say probably 35% of its weight. So let me ask you this. If let's say they're in the growing curing process, they cut those plants down. Yep. Um, it's very wet. They're about to go through the drying phase. Can they, at that point, being the flower or the bud is very wet, can they use bovida at that point to complete the drying process? They could, but we recommend that you do your normal drying process. So dry it down to as close as you can or as close as you think to um, that kind of 60% range, and then allow Bova to do that fine tuning. So if you overdry past 62 and you're using the 62, then Bova will bring it back up. Say you're at 65, then Bova will bring it down to 62. Um, I wouldn't rely solely on Bova to, to do all of the drying. Um, that's a lot of work. You're, you're, you're better off doing your normal drying process and allowing Bova to do the fine tuning, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. We had a call uh, when I was in Madrid, a guy from San Francisco called Jeff, and he had a couple hundred pounds of bud that he had purchased, and he had uh, it was way too dry. And I said, well, how, how over-dried was it? And he said normally they'd have it on the rack for two or three days max, and they actually had left it for four or five days. So he said it's a couple days too dry, and he goes, I'm really worried about it. Is Bovida going to be able to help me revive it? And uh, he was concerned about putting too much bovida in it and I said you don't have to worry bovida never over humidifies it'll only humidify up to the number on the packet so revive it with bovida and that was a couple days ago so hopefully uh, we'll hear from him in the next day and have another testimonial about how bovida brought the weed back to premium quality. Drew Bring that's that's funny life. you said that because my very next question is Hey guys, can weed turn moldy if you put too much bovida packs in the jars? And thanks for the answer. I'm guessing no. That's what he said. If you're using the correct relative humidity level, 62 or 58, no, you cannot turn it moldy by using too much bovida. Like Drew just said, you can never over humidify. It's engineered to go to that number printed on the pack. So like I said earlier, whether you have flour that's above that number or below, it's going to bring it to that, what we call equilibrium, which is a number on the pack, and then it will keep it there. So if you have, for example, our 67 gram pack, which is used for a pound, and you put that in with one gram of flour, it's just going to work faster and last longer. So here's the, here's the caution that I would put out there for people is mold is a tricky animal. It's not really an animal. It's mold. I don't even know what mold is. Fungus. It's a fungus, a mungus. Anyway, uh, mold's tricky. So if you already have mold, uh, bovida is not going to mitigate and remove mold. That's not part of our function. But bovida won't cause mold. Mm -hmm. So if you've already got mold in your bud, that's an issue that you have to address. But you don't have to worry about the bovida pact introducing mold to what you're doing. Correct. So rosin pressing is a big deal. People are doing a lot of rosin pressing. It's a small part of the cannabis industry uh, overall, but it's growing just like every other part of cannabis uh, development. People are learning how to do it. We hope that this segment has been useful to you, uh, learning from Eric of Pure Pressure about how to do it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, assets out there in the 
internets for you guys to get educated about rosin pressing. Bovida is becoming a really big part of rosin, rosin pressing because people are realizing greater yields by using Bovida in order to boost the amount of uh, water content in that bud before it gets pressed. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to prove to people how Bovida operates and how we can add to your cannabis business. So please check out our videos, check out our links, and what was the other thing you said? Links and... In the description. Okay. No, but if you guys have any more questions, uh, feel free to ask us on Twitter, hashtag AskBovida. We'll be happy to respond to those. If you have other questions, feel free to reach out on Instagram, email us, call us. We're here to help, um, and we appreciate you tuning in to Cultivate. Thanks for tuning in to Cultivate. This was a very dense episode with lots of information. If you're listening to this episode as a podcast and would like to know more information about the terminology used throughout the show, this same episode is available as a video on YouTube, which contains definitions and additional footage related to rosin pressing. If you're looking to watch more episodes like this, make sure to check out Bovida on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Bovida Cannabis.